What up, peeps? Welcome into Unscripted and Unprepared, brought to you by Real Screen Magazine. I'm Jimmy Fox, and this episode is my sit-down with Carlos King, the CEO of Kingdom Reign Entertainment. This was a long time coming, and I'm going to tell you right now, this is already one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. I think it's because I had known about Carlos for a very long time. We, we had known of each other just through professional circles, a lot of mutual friends, and this was the first time we had ever had any quality time together. This was the first time we had ever spoken. And already, I just I just want to thank him up front for making the time because as you are about to find out, he is truly one of the busiest men in our business. And he's one of the few who has crossed over. And what I mean by that is he started his career behind the camera, worked his way up to being a showrunner on Real Housewives of Atlanta, which you're about to hear that whole story. And then he launched his own production company and he's created franchises of his own, Love and Marriage Huntsville, Love and Marriage DC, The Bell Collective, all of those shows on Oprah Winfrey Network. But then he crossed over to being in front of the camera, hosting the reunion shows of his own shows that he produces, hosting his own podcast, hosting his own late night show. And then later in the episode, we took things to another level because at the end of the day, though me and Carlos are both running production companies, we're both producers, we're just fans. At the end of the day, many of us, we're just fanboys. So when we started talking, I asked Carlos to rank the top five greatest reality TV casts of all time, specifically in docu-series. When we started talking about that, we took things to another level and things got exciting. Things got a little heated uh, in a good way. And again, one of my favorite episodes we've ever had here on the podcast. This is my sit down with Carlos King. I hope you enjoy it. Oh, and my microphone kind of sucks in this episode. So yeah, apologies in advance. Okay, now for Carlos King. I'm so excited to be talking to the docu-series King himself. Carlos King, this is a long time coming, sir. I'm so happy to get you on. How are you? I'm really good. How are you? Like I said to you earlier, I'm a, a huge fan of the podcast. I've been listening for the past couple of years. You have helped me through the pandemic in terms of needing some substance of people who give great insight of our industry. So I've enjoyed your podcast for a very long time. Well, speaking of podcasts, let me just ask you a question. What's it like to actually have people listen to your podcast? Uh, because, <laughs> because you, you actually have quite a successful podcast yourself that is, uh, meant for a, a mainstream broad audience. Uh, and you've been doing it for how long now? Is it a couple years? No, not even. It's been a year and like three months. Yeah. You've got Carlos, you made this transition from behind the camera to in front of the camera and on the mic. If you go on Carlos's Twitter, I mean, there are a legion of fans and followers you're a you're a public figure now and i just wanted like from the jump why don't we just jump in there like how have you found it making that transition to people knowing who you are what's so funny about it jimmy is i'm always surprised and and it happens to me every day in the sense of i walk around as if i'm still this behind the scenes producer until someone recognizes me and then I freak out for like two seconds. Like, wait, how do you know who? Then I'm like, oh, got it. It's the podcast. It's me being in front of the camera. Because again, you know, this being producer, your whole career is built being behind the scenes and no one bothering you, no one knowing who you are. So when I became known. It it was an adjustment because my job, especially in reality TV, I'm working with these housewives, right? These reality stars who have larger than lives personality. They are, well, some are very egotistical, narcissistic. So it's never about you. It's never about you. So when it became about me, it did take an adjustment, but I have to admit, I'm really enjoying the ride with the success of the podcast. And you know this too, Jimmy. I'm always surprised 
when people tell me they listen to it. Because I feel like I feel like I'm just talking to like my friends until you realize um, a publication picked up your story and you're like, oh, got it. But for you, for you, was the first was the first moment on camera when you started hosting reunions for your own shows? Was that the first time on camera? Because during your and we'll get into the backstory in a second, but like during your time producing Housewives, did you go on camera during that period of time? No, you're shaking your head. So first time you go on camera is to host a reunion show. And if you haven't done that before, I mean, that's that's a real TV gig. I mean, hosting is different than just being yourself and playing traffic cop and whatnot. I know you're a producer for years, but hosting is a specific skill set that not anybody can just walk into. So what was the conversation leading up to that point with Oprah Winfrey Network to have you be the host of your own show's reunion? Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that. So my first introduction in terms of being known as this reality producer definitely was hosting um, reunions. Um, and I'll get to that in a second. But prior to that, again, I worked on Real Housewives of Atlanta since 2008. I was an associate producer. So in 2008, there was no such thing as breaking the fourth wall. Like, no. Everybody had to believe there's this alien who came on earth that are following these people and you don't know what a producer is. You don't know what a camera operator is, a boom operator. You really do think like there's a camera following these people and it's real life. So it wasn't until I was working on Love and Hip Hop and Shelly Tatro, who at the time was at VH1, they did a Love and Hip Hop Atlanta special. And they wanted the producers to go on camera talking about how this show became a pop culture phenomenon. And I was on camera for that. And Shelly Tatro saw the rough cut. And in her email of notes, she started the email with, Carlos King, you are made to be in front of the camera. I'm looking forward to your talk show one day. So no that way. happened. True story. And then when I worked for Oprah Winfrey, uh, I was a field producer um, shooting Oprah's last season of her talk show. So me and the producers and a bunch of crew members moved to Chicago for a year to document her last season of the talk show to launch the Oprah Winfrey Network. It was called Season 25, Oprah Behind the Scenes. Long story I watched, short. I watched it and that was, oh, man, so that, was that was an incredible series. It was fascinating, beyond fascinating. So my other on-camera parents came when me and Oprah had a conversation about the use of the word gayer. So again, behind Wait, the scenes- Gayer, G-A-Y-E-R? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. She made a comment about someone appearing to be gayer. And her team said, that's an offensive comment. And she said, is it? And she screamed, is there a gay man in the building? And- my audio operator said, Carlos, come in the room because she's filming in the in, in Oprah's office. Yeah. So I walk in, we're filming, and Oprah goes, you're gay? I said, um, yes, I'm gay. So we had this conversation. John Sinclair, our mutual friend, yep. he saw the footage and he said, this has to make air. It's fascinating to watch Oprah and this producer have this conversation. That aired... People started recognizing me then, but wow. it wasn't until I hosted the Hollywood Divas reunion for TV One back in 2014, thanks to D'Angela Proctor, who said, I want you to host the reunion because no one is able to get the answers from these women than you. So you have to host it. So I had to audition for it. And the rest is history. Now, were you already, were you executive producing or producing that show? Okay, so that's how you were already yes. in, in the mix on that. But you had to then audition to be the host on your own show, which is yeah. also awkward. So are you just, are you then not allowed to be part of the discussion when the other hosts that auditioned are brought up? No, so this is a funny story, Jimmy. So again, it's the first show my production company produced. Okay. I'm focused on making sure this show, as you know, get a second season. Like, I just want this season to be great. It came time to host the reunion. The show is, a the show is about 
Black female actresses in Hollywood. So I had a list of people, which you're going to laugh. I had Whoopi Goldberg. I I had Yann LaVanza. I had like a, a big list. And they were like, we can't afford these people, Carlos. So it was when D'Angela said, what about you? And I said, me what? She said, you should host it. And I said, okay. And she said, let me to the powers that be, but do me a favor. Because again, I don't have a reel. You know, like I, I'm a producer. She said, take two of the stars of the show, do a mock interview with them, edit it, send it to me so I can show it to the powers that be. So Jimmy, what people don't understand is this. I'm doing what I'm being told. It was her idea. Right. But at the end of the day, I'm still a human being. So I was like, what if they see the tape and was like, no, we don't want him to host it. I would have been devastated for a minute because who likes rejection? Right. Um. So I was definitely afraid of like, how awkward is it? You're telling the owner of the production company, we don't want you to host your own reunion show. We need somebody else. But thankfully, they all agreed that I you should know, do it. By doing that, you really do uh, enter into a very small field of producers who have made the crossover, right? It's Andy yeah. Cohen. And Andy, I don't even know if Andy is even classified as that because when he first started doing it, he was on the network side, correct? Yeah. And then yeah. Barry Posnick, you know, also did some on Oprah Winfrey Network. Yeah. Right. And I'm trying yeah. to think offhand what other reality producers have made that transition to on camera hosting. The oh, only well, other, not reality TV, but the, the, the whole Jeopardy fiasco. There oh, was well, that. that. Yeah. The only other reality producer, and I'm having a brain fart. So. I'm forgetting his name, but the production company that produced Dance Moms. Oh, uh, uh, Jeff Collins? Yes. So do you remember he hosted it one season? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he did it, he did it one season. So that's the only other memory that I have. But like you said, it's a very select few. And I just remember thinking to myself, just be yourself. Be yourself. You you were requested to host the reunion. And the reason why I brought up network execs like Shelly Tatro and D'Angela Proctor is because they have an eye for talent. And it took them to make these comments early on in my career for it to make sense as to why I started hosting reunion specials. So let me ask you this now. Now that you've been doing this for a minute and you're hosting the reunions for Love and Marriage, Huntsville, Love and Marriage, DC, your very successful shows on OWN. Do you have your agents negotiate that separately for you now as talent? Yes, it is super awkward. <laughs> oh, it's gotta be. No, it's listen, gotta be. Jimmy, I'm not Please gonna tell lie me, to wait, you. Carlos, hold on. Please tell me you've got some sort of writer just for the sake of having a writer. Ah! Like something, like anything, like even as just something, just for the sake of having it. No, so you're gonna laugh at this because you 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 know this. Because my production company produces the shows I host the reunions, it all comes out of my budget, right? <laughs> right. So it's what think about it. So that's so Jimmy, think about it. I have a budget, and you know, unfortunately, we live in a climate now where the budgets are increasingly getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, I've read about I've read so, about that. Yeah. You know, exactly, right? <laughs> yes. Um, so then I <laughs> this is the best part about this interview because you get to really understand the duality of being on camera talent, but also running a production company. Yeah. So I don't negotiate my rate. I'm not speaking to like the network about my rate. I'm not doing it. Right. So I have my agency does it. You yeah. know, they do it. Um, but at the end of the day, I it's weird because you're kind of like betting against yourself because it comes out of your series budget. So my fees right. come out of the budget. So no, I don't have a Will Smith writer where I got like this amazing trailer, you know, alkaline water, only the yellow M&Ms. I don't know because I have to pay for it out of my own pocket. Right. But it's kind of like funny. It's funny because, right, you, they'll negotiate your fee. Then they tell you what you're getting paid. 
but the network has said, we're only giving you so much money to shoot this reunion episode. So then you're like, oh shit, well, I'm making this, but that means I don't have lights or, or, yeah. or, <laughs> or that means like the production design budget just like got a huge chunk yes. taken out of it. Yeah. Yes. I deal with this every season. So that's why I'm telling you, Jamie, it's super awkward, but I, I have allowed myself to not interface when it comes to the rate negotiation. I I seriously focus on like, make sure the script is good, the talent is available, they're in a good place. I, I care about those things. All right, so I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna play a little guessing game here. All right, because I was looking at your backstory. I wanna, I wanna get into the early days. I wanna start going linear here for the audience. Um, I saw that you grew up in Detroit and I know that the first real big break for you, and you you just alluded to it, is you being an AP on Real Housewives of Atlanta. Mm. So I started to think, like, how does he get, in my mind, I started thinking, like, how does he get from Detroit to Real Housewives of Atlanta? And the only thing I could think of is, did you go to college in the Atlanta area, and did that lead to work shooting in Atlanta? Is that how it happened? I'm just trying to, like, connect the mm. dots of how someone, is that right? No, it's it's even crazier. Okay. It's even crazier. Um, born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. Left Detroit at 22. Okay. 22. And what, do you, and what did or, your parents do? So my funny story. My mother is a real housewife. I didn't my know mother, this. My mother's a housewife. I'm, I'm one of nine siblings. There, there's 10. There's, I, ha I have nine siblings. Um, it's 10 total. Okay. Same father, same mother, grew up in the same household. So 12 people in one house in Detroit, Michigan, my entire life. Oh, my I father, did not know any, I didn't know any of this. Yeah, no, a lot of people don't know this. So I'm a product of 10 children. And my mother obviously um, had to raise us. So she was a housewife her whole life. My father... Because we're in Detroit, Michigan. Oh, Carlos, he, I'm sorry. When you said housewife, I literally thought you meant a Bravo housewife. Oh no, 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 no. No, when no, you no, when, no, when no, you no. said that, when you you just jumped to like my well, my wife was no. my, my mom was a housewife. That's how I got my job on Real Housewives. I was like, I was like, wait, how did I? I felt no. like I didn't do my diligence. I felt like I was living under a rock for a second there. Okay. My mother, my mother is not Nene Leaks. It's okay. Oh, no. No, in a tradition, in a traditional sense of the word, <laughs> your mom was a housewife. Holding the fort down with 10 children. Yes, there you go. So any okay. confusion, no. Okay. Uh, my mother is a, a housewife. She was yes. a housewife. Um, Raised us. My father, because is Detroit, Michigan, he worked at Ford Motor Company in the assembly line. He's, mm -hmm. He was a plant worker. You know, blue collar, nine to five. Well, in his case, three to midnight. It, it was seven days a week. Yeah. to feed 10 crazy kids plus his wife. Um, and then at 22, I, well, prior to that, graduated high school, took a gap year because I, I knew I wanted to get in the business of entertainment. What, what, what was it? What was like your earliest memory of just being sucked in? Was it a movie, a, a show, a, a musical artist? What was it? It was Teen Summit on BET hosted by Ananda Lewis. Wow, that's a good reference. That's a good I'm, reference. I'm 12 years old, Saturday afternoon at literally 12 noon. I'm watching Teen Summit hosted by this gorgeous, beautiful black woman who's a super smart. And I said, oh my gosh, I want to do that. Oh. I, I, I want to do what she's doing. Mm. This, is, this is my aha moment. And and then I said, I'm going to be in the entertainment business because prior to that, and even after that, and even now, I was obsessed with television. Just like I watched everything from Roseanne to like the Cosby show, a different, I was into television. Obviously back then reality TV was not existent. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna be like a broadcast journalist. So I studied Ananda Lewis, Barbara Walters, discovered Oprah Winfrey, and I, I literally said, I'm going to be the male version of Oprah Winfrey. So I took a gap year because after graduating high school, I wasn't mature enough 
I, I knew this about myself. I, I said, I'm not mature enough to leave the nest. I don't have it in me to like leave Detroit, go to an on-campus college, have that experience. So I took a gap year, interned at a radio station just to get myself in the door, attended Wayne State University, which is a local Detroit college in the city, stayed at home. I watched Carson Daly on TRL. And I said, I need to be in New York City. Okay. I I need to be in New York City. I want to be Carson Daly. Ananda Lewis is now a VJ on mm -hmm. MTV. That's the road. I'm going to be Carson Daly and Ananda Lewis. I dropped out of college my junior year. Oh, my gosh. You said, one, one more year to go till graduation. You couldn't wait to go to New York. No, my 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 spirit said, leave, go to New York. I moved to New York City. I snuck in Def Jam's offices on Fifth Avenue. Yeah, and like Madison. I said, I have a meeting with the internship coordinator. And they said, go, go upstairs, room 13. I'm like, is that easy? Sorry, this security. Is, this is Russell Simmons Def Jam, correct? Yes. All right. And you and this Def Jam Records, and you have no leads, no relationships in this town of New York at this point. Zero. And you just walk in, you tell you yeah. tell the front desk worker, and you and you and you you put a little bass in your voice there as you said that there. Oh so yeah. You, you try to pass yourself off as as a man with a meeting. Right. Yes. I have okay. a meeting with the internship coordinator. Right upstairs, Mr. And King. Was, and I was okay. confident. Right upstairs. Here's your ID. Long story short. Internship coordinator said, I didn't have a meeting with you. I said, I know I snuck up in here. I'm, I really need an internship. <laughs> he said, I am so impressed that you did this. Um, this semester, we don't have any. Um, can you come back in the summer? I'll be back in the summer. I followed up with him. At this time, I enrolled in Hunter College in New York City to finish my degree. And Jimmy, I just started interning at various places. Dev Jam, I interned at The View. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was at BET, I got a, a, a PA job working on 106 and Park. Oh, yeah. Which is like and, which is like the PA job at the time. I mean, what, oh, 106 and Park was a big, big deal. Yeah, this is the free and AJ days. Like, it's the biggest yeah. show on BET. It's the, one of the biggest shows on television. Yeah. And a friend of mine who worked there... Um, eventually, um, you know, we're, we're, we're freelancers, so you can like leave and come back. And because I was a hard worker and everybody recognized it, it was a friend of mine who also worked at BET who got an opportunity to work on this reality show based in Atlanta. Mm. And she, because she knew I was obsessed with the hills and Laguna Beach, and I had all the black people at BET watch the hills. <laughs> I said, this is the best television of our time. You guys have to watch it. I had every Black person at BET discover Heidi and Spencer. And they were like, is this real? And I said, it's reality television. Look, of course it's real. So long story short, the woman who worked there said, I have an opportunity to do this reality show in Atlanta it could be called The Real Housewives of Atlanta. We don't know yet. Are you interested in being an AP? And I said, sign me up. And that's how I got it. And and at this at this stage in the Housewives universe, I'm trying to remember where Atlanta launched. Like first it was OC. Mm -hmm. And then it was what? Was it then New Jersey? New York. New York. New York. And then New Jersey. And then Atlanta. Atlanta. No, Atlanta was Atlanta, the third. Then Jersey. Atlanta and was third. And is this season one of Atlanta that you're being asked Season to one. Okay. So, okay. So they are all unknowns at this point. You're there on the ground floor. Tell me about the day you meet NeNe Leakes. So when you are an associate producer, you are assigned talent. Your job is to be the talent producer pretty much. And, and their wrangler and their best friend and their therapist. So... Mm -hmm. It's my first experience doing reality television. My only homework is studying Lauren Conrad and Spidey. That's it. 
so I meet Nene Leakes. My, my boss, Kenny Hall, he was the showrunner at the time. He said, I'm assigning you to Nene Leakes. She's a, at, at this point, she's a nobody. I'm like, okay. I meet Nene and she goes, hey, bitch. And I was like, oh my gosh, this woman is everything to me. I fell in love instantly. And I was, I was just, I was enamored by her big presence, her big personality. And within that first week of filming, a lot of shit happened on the set, like Nene not being invited in Sheree's house. And it was all this drama. And I remember telling my friend who got me the job, I said, this show is about to be huge. And we've only been filming for a week. And at that time, this is so funny. Bravo only approved six episodes. Oh, okay. That makes season. sense. So we, we were there for like eight weeks. And I knew within eight weeks, I said, this is my calling. I meant to do reality television. And from what I've been told by just folks that know you and have have, have heard the legend of, of Carlos King, you you basically become Nini's producer, right? Like that relationship mm -hmm. becomes a partnership somewhat, you know, behind the scenes on Housewives. And you come in as an AP. And again, for those that don't know this, you know, AP is pretty much the second rung, right? Just above production assistant yeah. on the on the very, very, very long ladder of of the crew list, right? On a reality TV show. Mm -hmm. And you, over how many years, Carlos, go from that AP after after just, you know, just finding your way into internships in New York and just, you know, making it happen. How many years from when you set foot on the Housewives set in Atlanta? do you become an EP? Season six. So from season one by season six, you're now executive producer yes. of, of Housewives. Yes. And are you running the field and post or are you just running the, the field as, as a just field showrunner? Just the field. Just the field. Just the field. That is one of the most remarkable rises in the history of our business, especially, oh, thanks. Especially on a show like that. This isn't like some format, you know, where you shoot four episodes in a day, like a, you know, Wheel of Fortune or something where you can rise up the ranks if you just know the format and the machine kind of runs itself. Right. <laughs> Housewives, you are just dancing around falling grenades <laughs> all day long and having to be able to woo these characters into the storylines that that you need and to earn all of their trust. How was, how did you shoot up the ranks and how did that process happen for you? It was the trust factor. Well, two things, obviously, you know, because I felt like this is what I'm meant to do. I was, I invested my life to that show. Um, I developed an amazing rapport with the cast members, right? Kim Zosiak, Nene Leake, Sheree Whitfield, um, Kenya Moore. It, it just became where the ladies trusted me yeah. with their story because I knew how to tell their story properly. And the network, like you said earlier, they said, this is probably the first time we have somebody who's going through the ranks of literally starting at the bottom season one and rising to the top, but but doing a good job and and has this talent that we haven't seen from an AP growing up into this world of housewives. Because at that point, it was only New York and OC. New York um, just aired season one. Mm. So when the show started to become this pop culture phenomenon, the network realized, let's invest in this person that has been boots on the ground since day one. Right. So thank, thankfully to the production company, Truly Original, to Christian Barcellos, uh, formerly at Bravo, in addition to um, just the amazing people over there, they all said, let's give Carlos King the chance to run the show. And Jimmy, I was so nervous because I was told... Um, it is your job to revolutionize this this show. Wow. 
And we believe you can do it because you have the relationship, you have the talent, but you have to do it. And Christian Barcellos and Andy Cohen was like, it's yours for the taking. And I said, let's go. How many years or how many more seasons do you stay on then until, until you leave Housewives? I was the EP of the show from season six and I left season nine. So six, seven, four seasons. So craziest thing you had to step into the middle of was what? Oh, Jimmy, how much time do we have? I <laughs> just mean, give me, just give me the, yeah, I, give me the, give me the one snippet that you're like, I really have to do this. Like, I really have to be the one that has oh, to do this. It was when season six reunion, um, season six, is in the history books as the highest rated season of any show on Bravo. It's okay. it, it has the records have never been broken. So the reunion we all knew was going to be explosive because the show was explosive. The season was explosive. Um, long story short, Kenya Moore and Portia Williams had a shade fest. And at this time, Kenya Moore had a prop. She brought a scepter and she brought a bullhorn. And Portia is on the same couch as Kenya and Cynthia Bailey is sitting in between these two. And Kenya Moore takes her bullhorn and screams at her. And Portia had enough. And think about it. I know these women. So when Portia got up out of her seat and Kenya got up out of her seat and they started pointing the finger I said, oh, no, this is going to end bad. I forgot I was an employee. I ran to the stage in the middle of a live taping. And I tried to grab Portia to pull her away. It was too late. Portia grabbed a chunk of Kenya Moore's hair. And it became a domino effect where the three of us all fell on top of each other. And Andy was like, what the F is going on? Like, we've never experienced that on, on Housewives at that time. The only thing you seen was like, Teresa flipped the table, which by the way, I was a part of that too. That's my second best story. But um, it was the craziest because I'm like, wait, I am now a security guard on this show. So that's a different title. Now, <clears throat> on Twitter, I don't know who's currently running Rural Housewives of Atlanta. I would not want to be that person right now because <laughs> if you just stumble on to Carlos King Twitter, Carlos, Carlos's head is down right now. Ladies and gentlemen, he's like, oh God, where's Jimmy going with this? The poor son of a bitch, whoever is running Housewives Atlanta right now. I don't know who this person is. I don't know what it is. I don't even know if it's their fault. I don't know anything about this. All I know is I go on Twitter and I try to do a little research on my upcoming guest, Carlos King. And all I come across are legions of fans that watch Housewives of Atlanta calling for the head of whoever this nameless person is that is currently running the show because all these fans, all the Carlos heads out there, I don't know if you have a, a word for your, you know, your, your fans. The raindrops. The raindrops. <laughs> the raindrops are calling for Carlos to be reinstated as the showrunner of Real Housewives of Atlanta. So, so many years later, you're still getting the fans calling for you to be back in action. You don't have to comment on this if you don't want to. I'm just saying it's out there. Mm -hmm. um, but clearly the fans know who you are from the Housewives days specifically. And that's before you were even on camera. No, listen, the Housewives fan fandom, it's it's serious. It's, it's equivalent to Beyonce's Beehive. Um, the Housewives fan base are very, very, very um, intense when it comes to their opinion. And I've known that for a very long time. So they have always recommended that I come back to the show, that I make the show great again. And, you know, that's what they'll say to me. Or, you know, they they reminisce on the, the glory days of Atlanta Housewives when I was at the helm of it. And look, I'm not going to bullshit you, Jimmy. It's, it's flattering. Like, I, I'm not a bullshitter. It's flattering to read those things. Uh, but not at the expense of someone else. So that's where it gets tricky because I know what it's like to be in that position. Yes. Um. So I don't like it when they pit us against each other. That I promise you, I don't like it. And, and All, I don't think also, that's fair. Also in a docu-series, you know, there's only so much the executive producer can do. Like the talent, yeah. either needs, the talent either needs to bring it 
are not. And and there's only so many storylines that are actually in play in, in these people's actually actual lives, right? So totally. Yeah. Yeah, no. So it's it, it, it what the fans don't realize is it's a lot of it's a lot that goes into making the show great. And the reason why I'm happy they love my podcast is because I I, I try to give them some little nuggets based on just how the, the the sausage is made, if you will. So yes, I've seen the tweets, I've seen the articles. Um, it's definitely flattering, but I tell people all the time, it's the hardest job in the world. Um, in terms of in terms of um reality television. Our business, yeah. Um, our our business. It's the hardest job in our business because you not only have to worry about the network and the talent, you have to also worry about the fans. And that's when things get tricky. All right. So you leave housewives. Is this when you immediately decide, all right, I'm, I've been doing this long enough. Now I've got the reps under my belt. I'm going to start my own production company. Is that when kingdom rain entertainment begins? It is. 100%. So did you come into this with a plan? How did your company start? Did you get an overall deal someplace before you went, Self-sufficient? How did this come to be? Yeah. So again, in 2008, when I was in AP, I had, you know, listen, you're just happy to be working. You're happy to do, um, to have a job that you love. And I loved every minute of being an AP. Um, it wasn't until I was the showrunner that I started to get the sense of, hmm, I think the next phase of my career, I want to own my own production company. So my agent at the time, Bobby Kenner, over at CAA, we had a plan. And he got me an overall deal at ITV um, in 2017. Okay. After meeting with Brent Montgomery, Adam Scher, David George, um, I left Atlanta because at the time I, I, I moved to Atlanta to really focus on the show. <clears throat> I moved to Los Angeles and I figured... Let me have the overall deal to really see how production company is made from the inside out. And that way I can make the decision if I wanted to be a full service production company or have a boutique label to where I'm the face of it, but I have a whole nother separate team who handles the day-to-day -day operations. So after the two-year overall deal is when I decided to become full service because it was important for me to oversee everything that I'm doing because you start to realize that everything affects the bottom line. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to take the risk, take the biggest risk of them all and just start your own production company. So that's how that started. Man. So early days, starting your own production company, going solo, you get out of your overall deal. You finally kind of learn, okay, this is the model that I want. I mean, are you are you thinking, what have I got myself into? Are you just supreme confidence at this point? Like talking about those first early days as you're building the the team, the staff, the infrastructure, brick by brick. And was it built off of one first series green light? No. So you're gonna laugh at this. Um, so what happened was I left ITV um and i started to take meetings to get investment so we had an investor and i officially got the investment september of 2019 and i said okay i'm confident i'm fully confident in myself that was september yeah this little thing called coronavirus happens march of 2020 oh my right? god I start the company in September. I got my investment. I got my development deals that, you know, you wish goes to series. Um, and the pandemic happened. And that's when this confident man became scared. And that's when I said to myself, what the F did I get myself into? Like, who starts a production company months before a global pandemic that none of us have seen, where you now have to include covid um, prevention stuff in the budget. You now have to do testing. And I was, I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I fell into a slight depression because it was the worry of making sure that my team was able to feed their families, but also stay healthy. 
it's the risk of putting your team out there to work and you don't know what's going on. It was scary. It was, it was, it was beyond scary. And that's when I questioned myself, but I'm a man of faith. And I said, this too shall pass. And years later, I have to tell you, I'm having the time of my, my life. I have more fun now doing that than producing housewives. Housewives will always be the toughest job that I've ever had. So running a production company, Jimmy, is a cakewalk compared to being the showrunner on Housewives. That's the takeaway. I mean, and man, to your to your credit, you've you've done what everybody hopes for. You know, you've launched franchises, you know, Love and Marriage, Huntsville, Love and Marriage, DC, for better or not, is what the housewives of the Oprah Oprah Winfrey Network universe, right? Yeah. And Bell Collective, you know, you're on season three right now. Season three is airing, yes. correct? And you're 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 giving the state of Mississippi its its moment, which I I think is critical, and it's it's yes. huge for the culture. And you know, the same with Love and Marriage Huntsville. I mean, how many shows in reality TV in the world have we ever seen set in the state of Alabama before that? Right. So you know, there's only so many Atlanta shows uh, the world needs. Um, and what you've been doing is just is just monster. Um, and now you. You, you step out and I read that you were the first ever openly gay black male to host a late night show because yes. you hosted your show, the nightcap, right? Yes. You're hosting your podcast. One of the, one of the questions I have for you is even with all that success the, and, and the ride that you're on right now, even someone like yourself and you tell me producers can still get put into a box, mm -hmm. right? Of what shows they make. Right, yeah. like even even Mark Burnett, the 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 god of our business, Love didn't him. launch a didn't launch a scripted show until the Bible, right? Yeah. Went many years and couldn't get scripted shows made. He wanted to, even he couldn't, right? Yeah. And he had the some of the biggest shows on television. So even for yourself now, as you're looking at this, are there genres and areas and places you want to grow as a producer that you feel like right now, like? It's going to take some work to get there because people see you as the docu-series king, but maybe not the format guy. Oh, 100%. 100%. I love dating shows. I love true crime. I love big shiny floor shows. And, you know, it is difficult to be reintroduced in our business as someone who can handle um, a dating format, right? When you think about the amazing dating shows that... Um, critical content does, for example, um, ITV does, for example, um, you want to be able to say, well, I can do it too. But I also know that I will, and, and, and listen, I'm not upset with this, but I will always be known as the docu-series guy. And I love it. I, I, my first love is docu-series until this day is still my favorite genre of reality, but I do want to extend the brand into showcasing like what does a Carlos King dating show looks like? Mm -hmm. You know, like, I think there's something special and interesting about that that can really be noisy and fun. So I'm exploring those territories. And look, till this day, I'm still working hard to attract networks into understanding that it's something we can do. Like you said earlier, even Mark Burnett had to constantly prove himself after... Survivor, The Apprentice, and all the amazing Shark Tank. I mean, Shark Tank, we're talking about people. Yeah. Um, I want to be able to showcase different sets of my talent, for sure. One thing I want to talk to you about, because you've now done so many docuseries from the ground up now, finding a cast of civilians who are not famous, who are not in you know the, the, the public light. What is the conversation you have with them as you enter into the process? I've had those conversations myself, but I want to hear from your from your standpoint when you're just putting the cast together, putting your tape together, getting ready to approach the market. You kind of have to have a talk with the cast, right? About here's what you're signing up for. And by signing up for this, these are the things you might earn down the road, but these are the things you're going to sacrifice down the mm -hmm. road. So explain to me, take me inside the the Zoom room, so to speak, the private Zoom room with Carlos as he is addressing this unknown cast as they are crossing their fingers, hoping to sell their reality TV show as an ensemble series. What is the conversation you have with them about the life that they're about to step into and what's going to be expected of them? Yeah, so first and foremost, I say to them, 
the only way this show is going to be successful is what you make of it. You can't hide your reality because the audience is smarter and much savvier. They can tell when you're phoning it in. They can tell when you're faking it. You really have to make sure that if you sign up for it, you have to give your reality. Nothing can be off limits. You can't say, well, I don't want to show that or that's my, my favorite that I hear from talent. This is my real life and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> what? You're on a reality show. Hello? So I, I make sure they understand that because I want them to know, like you said earlier, as producers, we can only do so much. It really takes the talent to give everything to the show in order for it to be great. And what I say to them is, if you do that, you are going to reap the benefits from it. I say, look at Bethany Frankel. Bethany Frankel was super herself, super honest, super transparent. I said, Bethany Frankel, my favorite story. I said, Bethany Frankel, water broke. She didn't call her doctor. She didn't call her best friend. She called the producer and said, what do you want me to do? And they said, please take a video of your water on the floor. And she did it. Then she called her doctor. It was that level of commitment and that's why she is forever heralded as, as the richest and most successful real housewife because of that. And then after that, Jimmy, once the episodes start airing, I say, don't read the comments. Mm -hmm. Don't read it because what's going to happen is you're going to second guess every moment of your of your reality. Shall mm -hmm. your show get a second season? Mm -hmm. And that's why sometimes you see well, first season, they were super transparent and honest. And then second season, they start to become a caricature of themselves because they read the comments. So those are or, my or, or a water advice. or a watered down version of or a watered down version. You know, you look at Camille Grammer, for example, who was excellent her first season of Beverly Hills Housewives because that was her. Yep. But she got ripped apart by the fans. And then her second season, she was a watered down version and she wasn't interesting. Um, but you can't do that. And I'm sure you ask her now, she regrets it. So you can't allow the fans and the peanut gallery to affect your bottom line. Uh, the rules. Can we talk about Miss Winfrey for a second? Yes, of course. The I'm obsessed. I mean, I'm, I'm obsessed. I've talked to like multiple guests that have had brushes with 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 Oprah. Um, and I'm just fascinated. The I rules. The, I mean, how could you not be? The, the water is wet. Uh, the the rules for making a docu series for own versus Bravo is is what because I was watching you know some of the some of the clips and and promos for uh, this season's uh, Bell Collective I believe and I was like yeah like this is this is a reality TV show you know this isn't mm -hmm. like you know this this seems like it has the drama and fun and spark that like a Bravo show would have. So how is it explained to you of what the brand needs to be on own as opposed to if you were just making with the same cast, if you were making the same show for Bravo? What what are the differences? Yeah. So in 2017 is when I created Love and Marriage Huntsville and John Sinclair um, saw the sizzle and said, I want this show. Um, this is very own, you know, and again, this is 2017, 2018. And they were looking for a docuseries. And John Sinclair, who's a genius, um, he said, I like these couples and I like the richness of their storytelling. And the reason why it feels on brand is because season one, these couples were trying to revitalize an inner city in the neighborhood and build homes, which is very earnest and just mm -hmm. very, again, on brand um, at that time of television. Um, they bought it. Oprah loved it. And the rest is history. But five years later, as you know, life happens and the world changes and the audience, the audience is much more adaptive to what they um, say they like to see. And that's when courtesy of the cast, just having these real dynamics and intense relationships, the playing field changes a, a bit to where it's still dramatic, but not dramatic to the point to where is not representing Ms. Winfrey's brand. Um, sure, are the cast a little bit louder? Is, are, is the drama a little bit heightened? Sure. But it's not something to where you 
constantly are showing that narrative where you got to have some earnest moments. You have to own audience loves personal story. They want Sorry, to say know that, what you say, say that again. Say that one more time. Yeah. Owns audience. They love personal stories. They care more about what's happening behind the gates. What's happening in your marriage. What's happening with your parents, your relationships with them. Um, and the icing on the cake is always like the, you know, the crazy two female drama that happens because of whatever reasons. But fundamentally, the reason why Love and Marriage Huntsville is the number one show on OWN is because that cast does a good job at checking all the boxes. And they do it in a way where you can smell and see the authenticity from them. And that's been helpful in branching off to different cities. Okay. Can we, uh, can we do, real quick, before I, before I just TV nerd out with you for a second? Because I know Go you're ahead. a big, I know you're just a fan. I know you're just a fan, like I am, of the genre, right? It's what your whole podcast yeah. is about. Real quick, I just got to ask, are you on, do you have a one-on-one text chain going with Oprah? I don't. I don't. I don't. No, I don't. Do you have I her number? You, I don't. Do you have her number? No. Just uh -uh. the office. You have just no. the office line? I don't. Have, <laughs> I have no direct line of communication. No, listen. It's a, it's a great team over there. Tina Perry, who's the president of OWN, Drew Tappan, who's the head of unscripted programming, Daryl, Hava, Donald, the, the, the entire team from the talent yeah. department, Cindy Mori and the team. Um, they are like family to me. And they treat me so well. And of course, you know, it goes both ways, but they make me feel special because we have a great rapport. Um, and I know that Ms. Winfrey, listen, the good news is this. Yeah. She knows who I am. She sends her compliments to me, courtesy of her amazing team. Um, I'm I'm aware that she's watching. She knows what's going on. <laughs> and she she is definitely singing my praises. Okay. Good enough. Good enough. Yeah. All so right. I don't have her phone number. Not, okay. Look, look, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. So still something to strive for. Yeah, of still course. Something. All right. So I'm just going to nerd out with you for a second. First thing, first little game I want to play. I am an alien. I just came down to earth. I've never watched a Bravo Housewives show before. None of them. Mm -hmm. Which one do I need to watch first and what season? You have to watch The Real Housewives of Atlanta season six. That's and the one, the that, highest rated season in history of Bravo. Yes, and I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you why that one. The reason why, again, was the highest rated and the reason why any alien or stranger who never watched the genre should watch that one, Jimmy, it is the perfect balance of emotional, personal story, mm. crazy drama with the girls, the husbands are activated oh. and interesting to watch. You're getting some couples therapy moments. It check again. It's all other things we love about reality television. And it's funny. It's funny. It's, it's, it's the one where you're saying this show to me and that season is the quintessential Real Housewives because it's, it's 20, my last count, Jimmy, because they ordered so many. It's 26 episodes of awesomeness. 26. 26. I mean, that's like, that's like ER level. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like, that's like MASH episodes or something. Yes. You know I mean? Like they don't order 26 episodes. No of one's anything. ordering 26. No, of anything not named ridiculousness. There's not, nobody's getting 26 anymore. Um, Okay, next game I want to play with you. Okay. The greatest reality TV ensemble casts, top five, all time, are what? All time, not housewives. Mm -hmm. Ensemble casts. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to count real world seasons on here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Has to be something that was like an arcing series. So okay. like Jersey, Shore, Jersey Shore, definitely in discussion. They're definitely on my list. The five greatest ensemble cast in the history of reality TV. So name five or give you my top one. Your top five. Okay, so five. Okay. In no particular order, because I got to think about that. 
I'll do you like this? Do you like, do you, you like this game? Is this a good game? It's good. Nobody okay. ever asked me this. So I love it because I have to really think about this. That's why I'm like, I'm going to say it in no particular order. Yes. And after I say it, I'll tell you number one. Then we can I'll rank. Okay. Yeah. Jersey Shore. Okay. The Hills. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Yep. Oh, the fucking Hills. The Hills. Love and Marriage Huntsville. I'm not being biased. I I love uh, they're they're the best in the the world. Okay, okay, okay. You said arch. Okay, 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 okay. Arch. Okay, okay, okay. Um, Well, hold on. Let me just say, as as a friend, as a friend, just just you know, watching from the side, you haven't mentioned one Housewives cast yet, and you still haven't mentioned Vanderpump. Yeah. So no. I'm gonna do it, but you said no housewives though. So do a housewife. No, 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 no. I said I said not just housewives, everything. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Jersey Shore, Love and Marriage, Huntsville, The Hills, um, The Kardashians. Oh shit. I didn't even God damn, didn't even think. How did I guess? Jimmy, the Kardashians. The whole Kardashians universe. Um, are you kidding me? Especially yeah. the earlier days. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And last but not least, I, y'all gonna think I'm biased, but I'm not. No, you have to. Real Housewives of Atlanta. You have to. Yes. So Vanderpump doesn't even make the list in your in your you file. No secret that your audience is gonna find out at the same time you find out. Huh. I started watching Vanderpump Rules because of Scandal. So you never watched it. I saw the I saw a few episodes of the first season, and this is a true story. I always was like, this show is really good, but I was never able to just sit and watch. But Jimmy, yeah, I watched the re- the finale. And the Jimmy, that cast. I listen. This cast, but this cast now, this cast now is like a shell of its former self. This is not even. Is it? Oh. Oh, no, no, no. When when Jax Taylor's on the show, when Stassi's on the show being Stassi, when you've got, you know, younger Sheena, you know, going through like divorces and stuff, young Lala before she's, not that Lala's any different now. He's my favorite. Dude, young James Kennedy, you know. him. What's not, Carlos. I mean, this cast is like. All to, no, and here's no. the thing I love about this cast is I'm just looking at your list. Unlike Jersey Shore. Okay. Um, I mean, the Hills, they were all friends too. Like half of them all went to high school together, right? ATL, mm-hmm. Atlanta Housewives, they were not yeah. like actually friends. So, un- so unlike some of those casts, they were all actually friends on Vanderpump Rules. They actually all were waiters and waitresses working for Lisa Vanderpump. Like that was all real and they really were like roommates and they really did vacation together and have all this drama. It was all organic. This was really just a a group of friends that they were able to tap into that happened to work for Lisa Vanderpump. So it was like the greatest come up ever in the history of the business to think, oh, we're just going to like set a show in one of Lisa Vanderpump's restaurants and do a spinoff. Little do you know, underneath Lisa's nose is the greatest real group of friends it's crazy in the history of like reality tv on, on my side at least and and, oh, and no. so many of them it's it's no listen it's it's but you and i both know this the best shows is when it's an organic group of friends because and this is what i tell my producers and my listeners on my podcast you can't script the level of care that a person has yep. with their fellow castmates. Yep. Because when you care about them, that's when you get the real drama, the real touching stories, the emotion, because they care. When you just cast a group of people together, they don't, they don't, they don't care about you as much and they can like take it or leave it. But when it's somebody you have a friendship with, and then what I realized about this cast because of the, of the reunion when Andy's like, you all like slept with each other. I'm like, wait, what? You guys are also like having sex with each other? All of them. I am a fan. Okay, but they didn't make your top five. So holding you to your word, now that you've listed your five, are you gonna rank them? Just 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 for the yes. just for the, the yes. people keeping score at home. Yes. Jersey Shore, okay. Hills, Love and Marriage, Huntsville, Kardashians, Atlanta Housewives. That's your five. 
Who's coming in at number five on this list? Who's at the bottom? Not that it's because the bottom. It's, it, it's the top yeah, five yeah, all yeah, time. No, course, There's no course. losers here. No losers. Because they knew her, number five would be Love and Marriage Huntsville. Okay. Okay. Number four. Wait, who's left? Hills, <laughs> Jersey Shore, Kardashians, Atlanta. Number four would be Jersey Shore. Hills, Kardashians, Atlanta. Number three would be The Hills. <laughs> and coming in as the runner-up is The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Number one is Kardashians. You can't listen. Let me ask you a question, though. Go ahead. Is this is this the success of the show is one thing, mm-hmm. but are they just the most entertaining cast ever? I'm gonna tell you why. Yeah. Okay. And this is somebody that has a big family too. Mm. And I'm talking about, and I'm not trying to be shady, but I'm talking about the earlier days of the Kardashians. Okay. Before Kim married Kanye, because when Kim married Kanye the show was never the same again because they okay. were too conscious of their fame. You can, it's, it's when you have, again, what, what did I say? The best shows is when you care about the person because yep. you're going to get the craziest stuff. There has never been a show where you saw a family come from a middle to upper class life and then to see within a matter of months transform into a like a pop culture phenomenon where Bethany there's only one Bethany Frankel and there's a distant second in terms of who's next to her right Mm -hmm. when you think about Kim Kylie Kendall being a like the level of success that those individuals have crafted for themselves. But then when you when you when you remember how Courtney told Scott Disick after he punched the wall in the hotel room in Miami and she just had Mason and she said, I love Mason more than you. When you had Kim Kardashian get married for 72 days and you saw like, girl, he you're not that into him, girl. I can see this. To to know that. They gave every ounce of blood to that show is the reason why I miss it so much because you're never going to see that again. You're you're, you're, you're never going to see it ever again. And you have to give the props. I mean, last but not least, Jimmy, we saw somebody transition from Bruce Jenner to Caitlyn. Get the fuck out of here. It's the best show that has ever lived on television. I mean, that was a walk-off, ladies and gentlemen. That was a walk-off. If Carlos could, if that if that microphone wasn't hooked up right now, right. it would it would have dropped. It would have dropped right on his desk. Tell me a better show where an Olympian, America's father, transitioned on camera to a woman and had to tell his wife on camera why he's doing it and pretty much told her, you were mean to me. Like, leave me the fuck alone until you give me that level of realness. Keeping up with the Kardashians will forever be cemented as the best ensemble show on television. Sorry. It's fantastic. It's just fantastic stuff. This is expert stuff right here. Uh, by the way, folks, still time to subscribe and like <laughs> Reality with the King on all your podcast platforms available for your listening pleasure. Um Okay, here's the thing. This is the thing. We're talking about Kardashians real quick. This is what I think about. This is what I think about late at night, staring up at a a dark ceiling, Carlos. (laughs) We know the origin of the Kardashians because we lived through it, right? Mm -hmm. The the younger folks out there, the tweens and teens that know this family, and as time goes on, and as all of these Kardashian kids grow Mm -hmm. up to be famous, right? Mm Mm-hmm. They're going to be like the first family of United States media. Mm -hmm. And the younger generation isn't even going to know 
how they got famous in the first place. And it won't matter because yeah. by the time the consciousness of these young kids and the next generation to come and come and all these kids grow up in the Kardashians and all that. And now it's aunt Kim and the real stars are her nieces and nephews or her own children. Right. And, and, and she's the Chris of the mm. family as time goes on. I don't see a time where the Kardashians are never not going to be relevant again in our, in our country. And in yeah. the world, in the world of pop culture, because they have tapped into consumer products and everything that they own, that they're the faces of. They're the Kardashians. So if you're a hater, I've got bad news for you. The Kardashians are going to be relevant in our country, in our culture for generations to come. Right? Absolutely. Yes. And that's And that's the staggering thing is you can't say that for other reality casts. Like the Hills, they are famous to one specific demo. Right. Jersey yeah. Shore, they are famous to one specific demo and eventually that yes. demo is going to die out. Yeah. The Kardashians, I think the lineage of the Kardashians is the closest equivalent we're going to have of the Kennedys. Yes. For a very long time. Yes. Yes. And, more and, I'm, and I'm not saying that's right or good or healthy. I'm just saying that is the truth. And those are the facts. Northwest has more TikTok followers than I do. That's Kim Kardashian's um, and Kanye's first child, for those who don't know. Wait until Northwest becomes 18 years old. It's going to create another um, realm of entertainment and media conglomerates and all that stuff um, for her. Like, it's, they're not stopping anytime soon. And I think, like, Hollywood, it's time to give Kim Kardashian the Hollywood star walk of fame like give it up oh can you really give it to her though and not Chris? all three of them listen <laughs> really you think you can just give her the star and not include the rest of the family as like a family star like shouldn't the kardashians get the Stop one that. star you know what i stand corrected i think you're right I, I i literally never thought about that until you said it i think you're right now, look, I think she's the Michael Jackson of the family. Yes. Right? But I think to your point, and I think she can say this too, Kim Kardashian is interesting because of the family. So to your point, I think you're right. It should be with the whole family. And I think that's the best way to deal with it. You're right. So are you going to start the campaign now, the viral campaign? To get, <laughs> get, well, get, Jimmy, on your podcast, I think I just started it. All right, let's start it, fans. Uh, you know where to find Carlos on Twitter. He'll retweet you. He'll retweet you. Let, let's start. Yes. Like, give the Kardashians a star. The Stardashians. It's Jimmy's idea, by the way. Wait, the Stardashians. <gasps> hashtag Stardashians? Yes. Hashtag us at Hulu. Give Jim. Listen, I don't take credit. Give Jimmy Fox's credit. It was his idea <laughs> don't you for do the that family. Don't, don't you put that on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't you? Yeah. <laughs> But hashtag Stardashians, yeah, hit up Hulu. And Carlos has many, many more followers than I do. I have about, <laughs> I have the equivalent of like what a fourth grade teacher in the suburbs would have on <laughs> social media. That's about my speed. Carlos is dying right it's now. It's all love. Uh, thank you for doing this, sir. This was so much fun. Uh, listen, this is, like I said, years in the making. And I, and I do mean that. And I hope you know that I have enjoyed your interviews with Everybody, again, from John Sinclair, Jesse Collins, Sally Ann, who is like, Sally Ann is, is a legend who I, and she doesn't know this, but like, I fucking love Sally Ann and she's such a beast in this business. But your podcast is great because it gives an insight into our business and somebody who's in the business. I love hearing my peers talk about their road to success and I'm always inspired by everyone's story. So I am truly honored to have been on this podcast and I'm a fan of them, I'm a fan of yours and I can't wait to come back again. Gotta do it again. Thank you, sir. Yes, thank you.